Section three of The Black Cat, Volume two, Number three, December eighteen ninety six. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Black Cat, Volume two, Number three, December eighteen ninety six section three the parchment diary by willis b lloyd five people sitting on the piazza of the crawford house watched a little party of men and women who were starting out for the ascent of the mount washington bridle path as the conversation turned to reminiscences of travel one of the party who by his dress and bearing showed himself no stranger to adventure said quietly by the way speaking of mountain climbing reminds me of the hardest ascent a friend of mine ever made he had climbed the himalayas from simla and the alps from chamuna but the hardest climb of his life was up the almost perpendicular cliffs of the quarantania mountain quarantania said a member of the party i've heard of most of the famous mountains of the world but i confess this one is new to me it would be strange if it were familiar said the traveller for it is situated on the west bank of the river jordan quite outside the highways of travel even in the holy land yet among those rough lonely cliffs almost on the other side of the world my friend happened upon a nugget of american romance then after a brief pause yes it was undoubtedly one of the toughest climbs ever undertaken by any one he said as if to close the subject but you're not going to stop there just when you have whetted our appetites for more asked a bright-eyed girl we want to know all about the climb how the nugget was discovered and all the rest then as the members of the group listened expectantly the speaker continued this friend of mine was on his way up the jordan by camelback from the dead sea to jericho after leaving the barren salt-washed shores of the soulless ocean of sodom the valley of the sacred river with its fresh waving meadows and graceful copses of shade was welcome to the weary traveller from eight to twenty miles in width the jordan sweeps westward to mount hermon in the sea of galilee flanked on the right by the grand hills of moab and of gilead and on the left by a rugged range of whose jutting cliffs quarantania mountain overlooking the ancient city of jericho is the most prominent it was twilight when my friend reached the base of this towering peak the very one where christ is said to have fasted forty days and to have been tempted by the devil as he rode along with his arab guide a series of little holes high up in the side of the cliffs attracted his attention the guide offered no other explanation than that they were caves but a field-glass showed they were not natural formations and persistent inquiries of the guide brought out the fact that they were cells of a strange order of greek anchorites these hermits never leave their solitary retreat 
where they dwell almost as remote from the haunts of men as though they were on the planet mars even their food they obtain in no ordinary way but are fed by carriers from jerusalem who fill with supplies baskets let down by long ropes beyond these few facts the guide could give no information but my adventurous friend had heard enough to whet his desire for a more intimate knowledge accordingly at daybreak he announced to his astonished guide his determination to scale the cliffs and examine the strange dwellings the protests of the guide that never within the memory of man had a visitor ascend to the air-hung monastery were of no avail the ascent was a most difficult one but the view was magnificent and it was found on reaching them that what appeared from below to be mere pigeon-holes were in reality caves large enough to take in the hull of a gunboat beyond these extending deep into the heart of the mountain were many cells ranging along the edge of the rock and lighted by tiny portholes and were they really inhabited asked one of the listeners eagerly yes and by one of the strangest bands of religious enthusiasts that my friend had ever seen men stately in bearing and patriarch in appearance but curious as children concerning the world from which they had been so long separated even the sewing of their visitor's shoes the works of his watch were new and strange to some of them and they crowded around him eager to see and examine every article of his attire there was one monk however who took no part in these demonstrations this was a man of perhaps sixty most impressive in appearance with his long white hair flowing over his brown homespun scapular bare feet and a large lignum vitae cross pendant upon his breast his forehead was massive his mouth expressive of spiritual resignation but it was the almost supernatural illumination of the eye which held the visitor entranced meantime on the stone floor a lunch was spread for the stranger consisting of olives black bread jaffa oranges and a stone cup of russian gin mellowed and softened by age as he sat eating and talking in arabic he inadvertently used an english phrase to his surprise the white-haired monk started and turned pale you speak english exclaimed my friend yes the monk answered haltingly i am an american his voice and look aroused my friend's curiosity indeed it convinced him that something besides religious enthusiasm had driven this man from his native land to this lifelong exile and isolation so it proved during his two days stay in this strange monastery my friend heard from the monk's own lips his strange story do tell it to us exclaimed the bright-eyed girl don't say that you can't remember it better than that i can give it to you almost in the monk's exact words for i can quite quote from my friend's own records with these words the speaker drew from his pocket a curious little parchment volume whose worn covers were edged and embroidered with many-coloured beads it belonged to my mountain-climbing friend he continued in answer to their delighted exclamations 
and contains the record of this and many other strange stories gleaned in his travels the beads upon the edges were he explained sewed on by some tyrolean peasant girls on the eve of a climb among the tyrolean alps the curious pattern on the back was the work of an indian woman whose husband gave him food and shelter after a tough ascent among the rockies in fact every stitch and every one of the curious pictures that you see here stands for some daring adventure the man simply could not live except in an atmosphere of danger for a while i was his companion in these adventures but he finally grew too reckless even for me a month ago he tempted fate for the last time then he no longer lives exclaimed one of the listeners no he was killed by an avalanche while attempting to scale mount blanc once too often in his will he left instructions that this diary should be sent to me the former companion of his adventures it reached me only yesterday then reverently turning to one of the last pages of the quaint diary the speaker began reading from a carefully written page which bore the heading the monk's story as he told it to me my early life was passed in the catskills where as a lad i attended school and where i remained until i was nearly twenty looking back i realized that i was a tensely strung retiring boy unlike my associates but when i met dahlia my fair-haired little schoolmate i felt that this was the only girl i could ever love my affection and reverence for her grew with my years until it seemed that her life was a part of mine when at twenty i went to a nearby village to learn stone-cutting i carried with me delia's promise that as soon as i finished my apprenticeship she would become my wife strong in body and mind i worked as few men ever worked always with delia and delia's happiness in mind i was scarcely twenty-one when horace ryburn a man much older than myself appeared in the little quarry town in the fullness of my happiness i introduced him to delia he was a man of the world polished and accomplished all that an inexperienced girl admires one evening when i went to call upon delia i saw through the cottage window ryburn making passionate love to the girl i heard her confess that she loved him but must keep her promise to me frantic with grief anger and shame i left the cottage and walked the hills all that night the next day i released her from her promise i did not see delia again until a month afterward when she was in her coffin she had died broken-hearted when the news came to her that ryburn had a wife in england now that she was dead i forgave her but i hated the man who had wrecked both our lives with a hatred into which passed all the intensity of my love for the dead girl at first this hatred was only a blind passion but as weeks passed i was consumed by an overpowering desire to put an end to the existence of this robber of my happiness for days i struggled against this horrible temptation i avoided any spot where i could meet ryburn during the day i toiled early and late at night i wandered for hours among the hills vainly endeavoring to shake myself free from the thought that possessed me it was useless 
every hour the temptation strengthened its grip an unseen power seemed urging me to the deed which my soul abhorred finally there came a night when i unexpectedly came upon the man who had done the wrong i was walking on the hills near the quarry when i saw ryburn reeking with liquor a burning cigar stump between his teeth staggering down the path to the powder magazine where the blasting stores were kept a moment later he pushed open the door and reeled in i stealthily followed him to the threshold and peered through the half-open door there on a pile of sacking the man lay overcome by a drunken stupor the cigar stump had fallen upon the sacking and already a small red circle was widening around it as i looked it seemed as though the powers of heaven and hell strove within my soul in a few moments at the most the man who had ruined my life and that of the girl i loved would meet with such a death as he deserved and through no act of mine on the other hand every impulse of humanity urged me to rescue from so horrible a death the man who lay there helpless at my mercy as i stood with my eyes riveted upon the rapidly widening circle of fire which was inch by inch eating its way toward the powder my soul hung for a moment in the balance then the powers of darkness grasped me with a mighty force staggering panting struggling i felt myself forced back away from the house where that helpless figure lay unconscious on the very brink of eternity a second later i dashed like mad along the road whether the man lived or died i shall never know half an hour after the terrific explosion occurred i had gathered up a few belongings and boarded a train for new york the next day i took passage on a ship bound for the mediterranean then followed months in which i tramped and worked my way through europe trying vainly to escape even for a moment from the torturing memory that seemed burned into my brain finally i sought refuge in the church in religion i found the first hope of atonement for my sin but it was not until i withdrew to this cloud-capped monastery and consecrated myself to a life of fasting and prayer that i have found a moment's peace even now after all these years of penance i cannot rid myself of the fear that during those awful moments in which i yielded to the powers of evil my soul was forever lost end of section three read by greg giordano newport ritchie florida